came to America when he was six months old. He started as a stock boy at the grocery store. Eventually, he owned it. He turned it into the biggest grocery store chain in New York City. He now owns a real estate company worth over $2 billion. He ran for mayor of New York City. He almost won. You can't make this story up. This is the Cats Roundtable with John Katsimatidis. Everywhere around the world, they come to America. Every time that flag's unfurled, they come to America. Good morning, America. This is the Cats Roundtable. John Katsimatidis here. Sunday morning. Have we got a great show for you today. We have Dr. Peter Mihalos. The untold story about electric cars is the jig up. We have Janine Pirro. What's going on with our country? We have Keith Banks, Vice Chairman of Bank America, on where is the economy going? And we have Rob Whitman on... Our country, a great congressman from Virginia, and we're going to lead off with Senator Rick Scott on what's going on in our overall country, and he is one smart guy. With us today is Senator Rick Scott from the great state of Florida, and uh, he's one smart guy, and uh, would like to know what's going on in our country and what's going on in the world. Uh, good morning, uh, Senator Scott. How are you today? Good morning, John. We get, you know, it, it's really frustrating right now. We've got we have our federal government that basically is making a bunch of decisions that are bad for us, whether it's, you know, they can't live in, within their means. Congress just keeps spending money like it's going out of style. We have a president that has a completely open border. Um, I mean, this, you know, not worrying about inflation. You think about the things that impact families. I grew up in a, uh, I grew up in a very poor family. We lived in public housing. I was born to a single mom. And we've got to start fighting to make sure kids like, you know, what I had the opportunity to do, you had the opportunity to do. It's true for every kid in this country. You don't do it by spending money like it's going out of style. We have to balance our budget. We have to preserve Medicare. We have to preserve Social Security. But we need to start reviewing our everything we're doing. I put out a plan to rescue the country. You can go to rescueamerica.com. Give me your ideas. Uh, but I want to rescue this country because the path we're going now down is not sustainable. Senator, I grew up in the poor in, in Harlem, too, and what I'm worried yeah. about is not our kids and our grandkids to come. Me and you will be okay, but our, our grandkids to come, that's what I worry about. Uh, what else? Yeah, is, I what do, keeps, do. Yes. What, what, uh, what else keeps you up late at night? We have a Republican Party all across the country. They want leadership that's going to stop caving to the Democrats. As you know, I ran against Mitch McConnell to be the leader of the Republicans in the Senate uh, because we've got to do exactly what we've got to govern the way we we campaign. We have to say we actually do care about fiscal responsibility. We can never pass an omnibus bill and give them any Republican votes again. We've got to we've got to say that earmarks are you know are crazy. Seventy five hundred earmarks, eighty seven thousand new IRS agents, all these things. We've got to fight like to make sure this step stops. We've got to bring this country back to the country that has opportunity for everybody. So live within our means. It's the biggest fight we're going to have the next few months with this debt ceiling. Preserve the programs that people care about, but review everything we're doing. We have 77,000 empty federal buildings that we're paying for. Paying for. We, over, we have over $400 billion of our federal budget every year 
It's never been authorized. I mean, you would never run your business like this. You would never run your family like this. So those are things I focus on every day is making sure uh, that every child has the same opportunity you and I had. I agree 100%. What concerns me, Senator, is our southern border. There are so many people coming through that border, and we have no checks and balances who they are. We don't, under, we don't know if they're criminals. We don't know if they're, if they're carrying diseases. We don't know anything like that. And, and the fact is, uh, we've had so many sabotages in our, in, in our states, in our cities, uh, can possibly some of these uh, terrorists or, or saboteurs can be coming through these borders unchecked? You know, here's what's crazy. Uh, the Biden administration um, made the decision. They want to have open borders. So we've got to start waking up uh, to the things that are happening. China, the government of China, the government of Russia have decided to be our, not our, our challengers. They're our enemies. We've got to stop ever buying anything, anything, anything made in communist China or made in Russia. No American business should do any business, any business in communist China or Russia. None. All that Biden does is pacify China. I, I mean, I don't know why he does this. Is he, I don't know if he's compromised. I don't know what it is. But this is a guy that won't stand up to dictators around the world. Well, I know, uh, Senator, you're on the Committee for Homeland Security and you're on the Committee for Armed Forces. Uh, Are you concerned that the Chinese are moving ahead at warp speed, so to say, the new word in town, warp speed, versus uh, our uh, our, uh, armies and Navy is more concerned about about, uh, LBGQ and uh, et cetera, et cetera, and... They are, they, they are moving so far ahead of us. I was in the military. What we were supposed to be is the most lethal group of men and women in the world. Not the most woke, the most lethal. We want everybody in the world to be scared to death of our military. Now, China, they're not focused on pronouns. They're focused on how do they invade Taiwan and win? How do they make sure that they can beat the United States so they can be the dominant player in the world? And we will lose our rights and our opportunities. Americans need to wake up right, and fight against uh, what communist China is doing, what Russia is doing, what the radical left is doing in this country. Uh, our economy. I'm concerned about that. The Federal Reserve keeps increasing interest rates to, to theoretically fix the problem. But by increasing interest rates, 20% of our economy is the real estate industry. And they're destroying that. How do you fix something by destroying another industry? Uh, all, we, all they have to do is open up the spigots and allow more oil to be produced in North America, and now inflation will go away. What say you on that? Jay Powell's done a very bad job at the Federal Reserve. He's built a balance sheet that doesn't make any sense. When Barack Obama got elected, the balance sheet of the Federal Reserve was $800 billion, and now it's, now it's $8.5 trillion. And so they've been buying up our treasuries, which has caused an unbelievable misallocation of capital. Now, that's number one. The other, the other big problem with inflation is inflation is caused by government spending, reckless government spending. Right? The, it's anticipated that if we just follow the Biden plan right now, we'll have over $50 trillion worth of debt in, in 10 years. How will we ever, ever 
pay for the interest, and also preserve our military, preserve the programs that people rely on, like veterans benefits, Medicare and Social Security. So we've got to do two things. We've, we've, got to, we've got to balance our budget, and we've got to allocate the dollars the right way. And then we have to say, how do we grow businesses? I did this as governor of Florida. Uh, when I became governor back in 2010, the state had lost 800,000 jobs. How did we add 1.7 million jobs in eight years? We reduced the permitting time. We streamlined the regulations. We got rid of regulations we didn't need. We recruited companies. We say, how can we help you grow so you could add more jobs? That's the opposite of what the Biden administration is doing. They're making it more difficult every day. And you're right. We will not build a great economy if we have expensive energy. Energy is, is, is a lifeblood. Cheap energy is the lifeblood of a great economy. And if you, like, if you want poor people to have a shot to get ahead, you don't do it with expensive energy. And so what the Biden administration is doing by causing energy prices to go up and, and, us, and making us dependent on, on other countries for our energy, it's putting us in a precarious position, especially hurting the ability for poor families in this country to get ahead. I agree 100%. God bless you and God bless America. And we'll catch up again real soon. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll. Less work, more clean. Terms apply. Looking for a little common sense? You've found it. You're listening to the Cats Roundtable. Good Sunday morning. Welcome back. With us today is Keith Banks, Vice Chairman of Bank of America and Chief Investment Officer for Pensions and Benefits. Uh, Good morning, Mr. Banks. How are you this morning? Doing great, John. Thank you for having me on the show. Uh, There's so much confusion in in America, in the world, on the economy. Uh, It seems like there's a struggle uh, of which way it's going to go. Give us your your feelings or the feelings of your bank. So we've been of the view that we're, as we entered 2023, we're moving further into the late phase of the economic cycle. Now, what that meant to us was you would see a deceleration of growth, in the economy, especially given the rate increases that the Fed is putting in place and that we would see uh, an ultimate recession, not a deep recession, but probably three quarters of negative growth. Uh, We originally believed that would happen last year. Uh, We have now pushed that forecast out for the, the recession to begin in the third quarter of this year. So third quarter, fourth quarter, first quarter, negative growth. Now, what does it mean to the average consumer that wants to buy a house, for instance? Uh, you know, uh, because of the high interest rates on mortgages, uh, uh, housing is down. Uh, new, uh, why would I buy a house and pay six and a half, seven percent when last year my uh, my friend bought it for three percent? What say you? Well, that's one of the reasons why the the housing market has softened. So, part of how the Federal Reserve impacts the economy is through higher rates and then segments of the economy that are sensitive to higher rates. And you gave a great example of being housing. So as mortgage rates move up, affordability comes down and people either stop buying homes, pause in buying homes, or are willing to pay less for that home. And we're seeing that right now. 
the consumer is still in good shape. Quite frankly, John, one of the surprises for um, the economy being as resilient as it's been and why the recession has been pushed off the way it has is the consumer. So just think about this. Um, if you look last year in 2022, 4.8 million jobs were, I call it recreated. These were jobs that went away during COVID that came back, but nonetheless, 4.8 million people are working again. In January, 517,000 people came into the workforce, uh, got jobs. And on top of that, you've got at least half of the states in the U.S. this year are increasing the minimum wage. You've got, because of all the stimulus the government did, individuals, we, we look at our checking and deposit balances at Bank of America, every income cohort from the lowest to the highest have deposit and checking of balances above where they were in 2019. And very importantly, we just saw an 8.7% increase in Social Security, and that affects 70 million people. So the, the consumer is actually very flush right now. And since our economy is driven, two thirds of our economic activity is driven by you and I spending money, consumers, uh, it is keeping the economy stronger for longer. And because of that, we think the Fed has to take more action. There seems to be a struggle between Russia and Saudi Arabia and OPEC countries. They want higher crude rates, $100 a barrel they would like, versus America. We're down to 73, 74 right now, and our economy can get better on 73, 74 versus going back to 100. What, what say you? Oil is a, obviously a very important um you know, something we use directly. Uh, we fill our gas tanks up and we get heating oil, gas, uh, and, and also it's a raw material for a lot of the businesses use it as a raw material. So the, the level of oil prices makes a big difference to economic activity and also the discretionary spending that consumers are able to do. If you're spending a lot of money on, on gasoline and heating your home, it gives you less to spend on other things. Uh, we think ultimately the supply-demand dynamics are going to be are going to be tight. So we think over time we expect oil prices to continue to move up. You know, some things have been done um, to to mitigate some of that, like releasing some of the strategic petroleum reserves. Um, and and with the economy slowing somewhat, that's taken some of the pressure off of oil prices. But we think over time they'll work their way back up. Uh, the CEOs uh, have most of them been smart enough to deal with. Uh what's going on between inflation, price increases, uh, to be able to uh, make sure their, their company is uh, do, making the earnings they should be? We think some CEOs have been proactive. We think others are behind the curve. So if you look at earnings in aggregate for the S&P 500, so the biggest uh, companies in the, in the country, our, um, our economists are forecasting $200 of aggregate earnings from that population of companies. The consensus is 224. So we're more negative. And the reason we're more negative is because, you know, inflation in some ways is a difficult thing, especially for you and I trying to go out and buy the goods that we buy. But for companies, what that means when there's inflation, they can, companies have pricing power, they can raise prices. When companies raise prices and have reasonable unit volume, that means their revenue is going up fast. When the revenue grows up fast and costs are relatively flat or up, slight or, or up less, 
they make more money. What we think is going to happen as the Fed continues to raise interest rates, the economy begins to slow further and ultimately goes into a recession, revenue is going to begin to go down faster. And for those companies that did not cut costs quickly enough or proactively enough, they're going to see their profit margins get squeezed, become smaller, and as a result, their earnings are going to come down. We think that process is really, we're still in the midst of that process, which is why we think the forecast for earnings out there uh, in general is too high. As it adjusts lower, we think that's also going to create a better opportunity to get into the stock market to buy equities at cheaper prices. It's a complex equation between uh, corporate earnings, uh, interest rates continue to rise, price of oil going up or down, and uh, what the Fed is going to do. And uh, any uh, feeling, uh, is it going to happen sooner than later, or uh, or what what say you? Well, what's going to be interesting is, you know, the, the market's been anticipating and hoping for what they call a Fed pivot for a year now, right? Meaning that the Federal Reserve will stop raising rates and then at some point start to bring rates back down again. That wish was premature. And I think if you look at the recent inflation data, both the consumer price index and the producer price index, as well as the strong labor market that we're in the middle of, and I referenced some of the numbers before, uh, the Fed, we believe, is not only gonna raise rates two more times, but we've actually added one more to our forecast. So John, we're expecting three 25 basis points in increases in March, June, and May. That means 75 basis points in total. And we think that will also, as those rates keep going higher, part of what the Federal Reserve is trying to do is slow demand. So supply and demand come more in balance. And I think they would like to see more slack in the labor market. We have a 3.4% unemployment rate. That's a 53-year low. And then I think part of the belief is until you get more slack in labor, wages stay elevated, and that drives costs for a lot of company, which leads to inflation. Uh, Keith Banks, Vice Chairman of Bank America. We've got about a minute left. Uh, What would you like to tell all American consumers and all Americans? Well, you know, the thing that's, that's... you know, always interesting. And I always tell people, don't, don't bet against this great country. We've got a very strong consumer base. As I said before, that represents two thirds of our economy. Uh, we have, uh, you know, I think a very responsible um, corporate America who are, are doing the right things. Uh, you know, as our CEO says, he's focused on profits and purpose. So we use capitalism to drive outcomes, both, you know, not only for our own company, but the communities where we live and and serve um you know so i think there's a lot of good things going on cycles happen if we go into a recession we think it'll be a mild one we'll come back out of it again and that in turn will create an opportunity for individuals to get back in the stock market and hopefully make some money over the long term well keith banks uh, vice chairman of bank america thank you so much for your input and uh, god bless america thank you so much thank you john what is today is congressman robert whitman and uh, he's from the uh, state of Virginia. And uh, he's one smart guy, and he has a lot of concerns. Uh, Congressman Whitman, uh, you told a lot of my friends you have a lot of concerns about uh, certain things that are happening in our country and, and, and in our armed forces. Uh, fill us in. You know, in my new leadership role now as the vice chairman of the House Armed Services Committee and the 
chair of the Tactical Air and Land Subcommittee and also honored to be uh, the senior Republican on the select committee on the competition between the United States and the Chinese Communist Party. I, I can tell you, John, there are a lot of things that concern me. First of all is the continuing deterioration of the capability and capacity that the United States has to combat China. Now, there's more that we need to do to make sure we counter what China's doing, not just in the Indo-Pacific, but also here at home. I think we look at what happens every day with the with the massive amounts of fentanyl that come across the border and the deaths that occur from that with Chinese entities trying to purchase U.S. farmland. I just talked to the governor of Virginia today where they have a bill that's passed and he will sign into law that will stop those transactions. Looking at what China does in recruiting intellectual uh, capacity from the United States, look at what they're doing with uh, with gathering data through platforms like TikTok and 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 others, it's 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 mind-boggling. At every turn, they are pro- providing uh, opportunities to do harm to the United States, and that's in addition to requiring U.S. companies to turn over intellectual property. It's 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 every element of what China does is seeking to diminish, to harm, and to create an advantage for China against the United States. Those things concern me as well as what's happening with our nation's military and the becoming a situation where the Chinese every day outpace us in the things that they're doing and building that strategic capacity. So I just think it's, it's, it's incredibly sobering. It's one of the things that keeps me up at night and the things that we have to do as a nation and, and everyone in this nation has to realize the magnitude of the threat that we face from China and that it is going to take a very high level of determination and effort by this nation to counter that. And it's not going to be without challenge for our nation uh, and and for our states. We have to be up to the task on this. Now, there's, we, we, we've been challenged a great deal by China. How long does it go on before the American people realize something is rotten in Washington? Well, I tell you, that that's reflective of how people feel about this. And, and I think, John, what we've seen recently with China flying a spy balloon uh, over the sovereign airspace of the United States, we see the level to which China will go to in order to gain an advantage over the United States or to place the United States at risk. I think that ought to be a sobering moment for everyone. I think the American people are really starting to realize the depth of what China is doing, whether it's Confucius Institutes at our universities that seek to recruit that intellectual talent, what they're doing in vacuuming up massive amounts of data that will give them insights into what we do and how we do it through their use of artificial intelligence. Uh, All those things, you know, are in addition to what's happening with the military threat that they continue to build, not just in the South China Sea, but around the world. And and I can tell you that for the United States to, to be where it needs to be, and that is to continue to be the, the economic power of the world and to be the, the the stabilizing force in the world, that is the one that, that keeps the peace, you know, we have to be able to counter China. They're doing things, too, to try to infiltrate uh, efforts in our financial markets, to do things to, to displace the United States dollar as our as our world currency, as the fiat currency, those things, if they are able to achieve those and they seek to do that every day, it will change life as we know it here in the United States. So those are the things that keep me up at night and things that we all have to really strengthen our resolve to do. I think the American people, though, John, are, are really beginning to realize the extent to which China goes to. 
to try to harm the United States. I mean, they are willing to lie, cheat, and steal in every way, shape, or form to gain an advantage. We need to to realize that that's what they're going to do. They're not going to change, and we don't need to change how we operate. We are going to operate based upon international law, based on the ethics and morals that we represent as a country, but we cannot underestimate what the Chinese are willing to do and the threat that that faces uh, or places upon the United States. Well, Congressman, we hope common sense prevails. We, we have to worry about our kids and grandkids to come someday. And um, thank you for all the hard work you're doing. We'd love to talk to you more, and we, we'd like to talk to you again in the near future. Uh, but keep up the good work, and God bless America, and thank you for everything you do. Well, John, listen, thank you so much. And I want the people to know that even though we face these challenges, I am confident America is up to these challenges and that we will indeed prevail in this strategic competition with China. So our best days are still to come, but we can't underestimate the hard work it'll take to get there. We agree. God bless America, and we'll catch up again soon. Amen. Thanks, John. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a hand gun or pistol in NYC. Welcome back to the Cats Roundtable with John Katsimatidis. Another pleasant valley Sunday. Hope the coffee is staying warm in the Cats Roundtable and we have some pretty good discussions this morning. With us today is Judge Janine Pirro and one smart lady. Uh, she's been around town. She knows what's going on in our city, our state, our country. Uh, Judge Janine, good morning. How are you today? I am terrific. I'm looking forward to this conversation and then my show shortly after your show, Mr. Casamitini. Well, so it's a delight. We end our show at, uh, at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning, and your show goes on at 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings right after, uh, right after Rudy Giuliani, uh, who spent half the week in uh, Ohio, and uh, be interesting uh, to to hear what he has to say. Uh, well, I'm see. concerned about our grandkids that they're going to have a, a, a the America we know about. You know, every time John, you talk about grandkids, my whole my whole demeanor gets depressed. I mean, it, my whole insides it's like they drop. I'm worried about my grandchildren. I have one grandson, Cameron. He's the light of my life. He's a year and a half. Uh, and my concern is for, for the debt. I mean, the debt is astronomical. We've got this fool in the White House who has something called the Inflation Reduction Act, which had nothing to do with infl with reducing inflation. And that's according to the CBO, the Congressional Budget Office. But more than that, we are a society that is getting lazier, where mediocrity is rewarded, where achievement is being denigrated. 
and a society where violence is being tolerated it is you know it is why you know we are at least on the world stage looking a weaker and weaker but as americans on the inside we already know what's going on this this ideological hate by the left and then i worry about people who just buy into it and you know when they repeat it over and over and then i see the left with ohio i see that the government is not what it used to be john the cavalry is not coming back anymore the cavalry is not going to cover you like they used to we learned that in afghanistan they left americans behind they told us they were leaving americans behind and now on president's day the president of the united states goes to ukraine to protect their borders and give them a billion dollars when in Palestine, Ohio, he doesn't show up and he denies FEMA. The American people are suffering and uh, nobody was doing anything about it. And the, he's worried more about uh, uh, the migrants uh, from Central America than he is about the American people. Hey, John, they do, we, did you, we just read that $90 million in New York City have been spent on hotels for illegals. Please explain to me how someone travels a thousand miles, 1800 miles through the desert, through the forest, through the water, the rivers, all of this stuff. And they have to then live in a high end Manhattan hotel. Why? Why? Why can't they live in a in a tent city? And why can't they why can't they then be responsible to clean it? to cook their own food. Why are we providing them with food and laundry and everything else? Let's do it for the seniors. Let's do it for the for the veterans. What is wrong with this country? It's backwards. I I, I agree there's so many things wrong with the country, but uh, I'm going to I'm going to ask you your opinion. Uh and, and are, are the Democrats smarter than the Republicans? President Biden uh uh, promised all college kids that owe money a $10,000 will be forgiven. 26 million applications were filed. Yeah. How do you think those 26 million voted? Hey, it's called buying the vote, John. You know it and I know. Well, meanwhile, the Republicans are, are, are so cheap. They say, oh, we're going to raise the, uh, city, the, uh, the, uh, the ceiling. Meanwhile, the Democrats are on the inside looking out and you're on the out looking in. Yep. Yep. So what should that what should the Republicans have done, John? Uh, give them two turkeys in every pot. <laughs> Janine, I love you, but you can't make a difference by being on the outside. And if they were and if the Democrats would have won uh, the election and uh, when they were supposed to have the red wave. Guess what? The Democrats would have delivered the ten thousand dollars. Well, you know what? But I think, John, you, you're so right. And you you peel back the onion to a, to, to a new layer. But I got to tell you, I believe the midterms were about abortion. I really do. I think that... 26 million applications. Maybe the same people that filled out the applications cared about abortion, too. Well, the Dobbs decision, uh, John, I got to tell you, a lot of women were fired up about that and men as well. My um, wife is my, my wife from Indiana is right of Attila the Hun. And, and when it comes to abortion, don't tell me how to treat my body. Yep, exactly. 
And so you answered you. I mean, you're agreeing with me. Yes. I mean, and then and then Lindsey Graham comes out and offers a uh, a law that codifies uh, and makes it uh, unconstitutional. I mean, come on. What what the Supreme Court did, they didn't say it was unconstitutional. All they said was it's up to the states. You but- need better leadership in the Republican Party if you're going to make a difference in this country. Okay, so who should be president? Janine Pirro, I'm going to be listening to your show at 11 o'clock today. What are you going to talk about? Well, one of the things I'm going to talk about is what has gone on in this country in terms of Palestine, Ohio, the president showing up in Ukraine. We've got Joe Concha, and I'm going to be interviewing you a little later, so you better be available. I want to talk about your on book. On my new book. Yes. I'm going your- to teach you, Janine Pirro, <laughs> tune in. At, everybody should tune in at 11 o'clock. I'm going to teach Janine Pirro. Piro, how to make her first billion. Yeah, that's right. And I'm going to be listening better than anybody to that one, John. Let me tell you. Well, thank you. Thank you, and I'll talk to you at 11 o'clock. I got it. With us today uh, is Gordon G. Chang, and his Twitter handle is at Gordon G. Chang, uh, and uh, he keeps us informed of what's going on in the Far East. There's been some developments going on in China. Uh, Gordon uh, G. Chang, Uh, Tell us the developments going on in China. On Friday, um, Beijing announced its peace plan for the Ukraine war. Um, And essentially it was calling for a ceasefire. Um, They said that it had 12 points, but essentially it boiled down to things that China had said before. People were anticipating a major initiative, um, but really it fell, um, fell quiet because nobody really thought that this was meaningful diplomacy. The other thing that's happening, John, is that while the Biden administration warns China not to supply lethal assistance, we're hearing more and more reports of China, in fact, doing that. So, for instance, the Breaking Defense website reports that almost every day an Antonov AN-124, which is the largest cargo plane in the world, takes off from China's Zhengzhou, it's central China, uh, with ammunition and other high consumption rate items. And these cargo planes, these Russian cargo planes, turn off their transponders as they depart, um, which indicates that both Russia and China um, want to hide their activities. Um, but at some point, uh, the administration is going to have to do something. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken on Friday gave a terrific speech at the UN Security Council. Now he's got to match deeds with words. Uh, understood. Uh, so do you think that uh, uh, China is looking for world peace versus world conflict? I think Beijing has a couple of motives. One of them is it wants to see Russia prevail in Ukraine, and that certainly is not peace. Um, but also, I think Beijing is getting increasingly concerned that it can no longer play both sides. And really what it needs to do is to pair, repair relations with Western Europe And also with the United States, because it realizes that uh, if this war drags on for that much longer, um, it will have to definitely choose sides and it will not be able to placate everybody. Understood. Well, Gordon uh, Chang, thank you for the update. And uh, we'll be talking to you again from time to time. And make sure you text me anytime uh, you you think that uh, you want to report to the WABC listeners. And I I repeat to the WABC listeners, you can get up to the minute from Gordon Chang by his Twitter handle, at Gordon G. Chang. And thank you so much for calling in today, this uh, 
uh, and we'll catch up with you again real soon. Thank you so much, John. I really appreciate it. Welcome back to the Catch Roundtable. With us today is Roma Duravi, and uh, she's founder and CEO of Duravi Strategies, and she worked as the White House Deputy Director of Strategic Communications for President Trump. Uh, Dravi, uh, Roma Dravi, give us an update. Uh, your former boss, uh, uh, President Trump, was in Ohio yesterday. Uh, give us an update what happened and the reception he got. Well, great to be with you, Trump. President Trump visited Ohio following a terrible, horrific disaster caused by, let me be very clear about this, Mayor Pete and President Joe Biden. They are responsible. And they waited over three weeks to even give acknowledgement to the horrific disaster that is affecting the people of Ohio. President Trump went to Ohio. He gave plenty of time for them to participate and support the people there that are affected by this disaster, and they didn't do it. So he went to Ohio. He met with local officials. He met with newly elected Senator J.D. Vance, and he talked to the people of the community. And let me tell you, they were so overwhelmed and thankful for his attendance in their in their community during this really difficult time that their families are going through. If you talk to President Trump, why do you, why does he think that uh, FEMA did not go in before that? Well, look, President Trump actually is uh, very very supportive and complimentary of FEMA. FEMA did a great job under his administration dealing with uh, natural disasters like the hurricanes. Uh, they were always boots on the ground. But what was very unfortunate was the lack of visibility from the Department of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg. And, you know, that really does make a big difference to the people of Ohio. They are suffering. They are seeing dead fish in their ponds. They're seeing rashes on their bodies. They have coughs that they don't know if it's coming from this disaster or if it's allergies. And so to see President Trump make an appearance on the ground in Ohio, it's really par for the course on how he operates. I mean, during my time at the White House, I traveled with President Trump and First Lady Melania Trump to disaster sites across America. And they felt that it was very important to show people's support in person. You know, you cannot be the commander in chief and lead the nation if people don't feel like you really, truly care about them. And if you wait nearly a month to say anything regarding a man-made disaster like this one, it really speaks volumes on the lack of interest, care, and concern from the Biden administration. Uh, we, uh, we understand that because all American people are Americans. They shouldn't be regarded as Democrats or Republicans. Well, exactly. Uh, well, uh, Roma Dravi, thank you so much, and good luck in your new uh, enterprises of, uh, uh, of uh, trying to uh, help our various politicians. Thank you. Thank you so much. With us today is Dr. Peter Michalos, our in-house genius. Talks about medicine, talks about vitamins, talks about living longer, talks about electric cars. Uh, good morning. How are you, Dr. Michalos? I'm doing great, John. It's great to be with the Cats Roundtable and uh, Sunday morning show. 
And today I'm going to talk about uh, a topic that we've touched upon before and we're learning more and more as time goes on. And the Atlantic, which has been around for decades, just did a story about the inconvenient truth about electric cars. And one of the things that they talked about was about driving range anxiety, uh, which basically is the advertised range uh, that you get in an electric car, especially in cold climates, tends to be a lot lower. And also with time and the more charging cycles, the range also decreases. And another thing that causes anxiety is finding places for the car to be charged if you're doing some type of a road trip. So you get road trip anxiety. And while we know that the grid infrastructure can't really handle it, and what happens when 100 cars on the highway or even 50 cars in the same area need to be charged at the same time, or God forbid if there's like a hurricane evacuation and people need to get out of Dodge, and we learned in Florida from the last storm what happens when salt water gets underneath electric cars and the batteries and these spontaneous fires that occurs. And one of the things, in my opinion, with electric cars, it's basically a tailpipe emissions diversion uh, kind of scam where the CO2 and carbon dioxide is being pumped into the air at a nearby, uh, at a nearby fossil fuel or coal plant using uh, you know generation that makes the... Uh, electricity and you basically don't see it coming out of the tailpipe but it's coming out somewhere and the other thing nobody talks about is to make a conventional car versus an electric car electric cars require much more carbon footprint to make the battery to make the motor to uh, mine the lithium the cobalt the neodymium and it requires massive amounts of water and it's still not fully understood what type of damage it might do to the uh, aquifer uh, below it and also the uh, deforestation uh, that has to occur before you can get access to the uh, mines. And, you know, you have to pay thousands of dollars extra for a battery with more range, and nobody talks about that. And we're talking about a car whose price can go up five to $15,000 just to increase your range. You talk about the Atlantic magazine, which is a nice magazine, but the stories have been done lately uh, in the New York Times and the Washington Post and other uh, and, major and Forbes and, and, and Forbes, Forbes and, and I think the Tampa newspapers. It, it, what, what is it all of a sudden? Is the is the jig up? I mean, do, do people realize finally what the truth is? Well, I think when it was just a small percentage of cars on the road, it was more of a novelty, and they definitely are cool-looking cars and quiet and to ride but now that there's more of them on the road and now you're starting to see i'm seeing for the first time lines of people waiting to charge the battery for example on the long island expressway you know you see people at these charging stations so now it's you know people are starting to get concerned and also when it's time to replace the batteries the stories are spreading hey i had to spend five or fifteen thousand dollars just to replace the battery when it becomes, you know, less efficient or doesn't work as well with the charging cycles. And then you start hearing about accidents with these large new pickup trucks and SUVs with electric batteries that can add up to 2,500 pounds to the weight. So you have a car crash with a small vehicle versus a large vehicle. It's like a heavyweight fighter punching a featherweight boxer and you have more force per unit area. So when you get hit by one of these big, heavy cars, it's just basic physics the large amount of weight and momentum basically destroys the smaller vehicle. Even if it has all the airbags in the world, the structural integrity of the metal 
can't handle it. And the other thing is these lithium-ion uh, car fires. I just sadly came from a wake of one of my classmates from medical school and they, one of my professors from medical school who got hit head-on by a, an electric car out in Long Island in East Marion uh, last Friday. And basically everyone, the two passengers who hit them in the electric car and my two uh, professor and classmate where everybody was burned alive. They couldn't get out in time and the fire basically left both vehicles. You don't see anything just like basically just some debris and uh, even the pavement melted below it. The the people didn't die from the crash. They died from the uh, being burnt to death from the electric car. Yeah, well, you die from the trauma. Most people usually don't die from the crash initially. They die from, you know, usually foot and ankle injuries. You hit a large artery and you bleed out. And then if you can't get out and there's a fire, uh, basically you end up burning uh, alive. It's terrible. And that's why I tell people the first thing to do in a car accident is immediately shut the ignition off in a regular car to cut the fuel supply off. An electric car shut the electricity off immediately by shutting off the switch. And this is why many repair shops won't even accept electric cars because they're worried about fire and their, their, their place of business burning down. And also you can get electrocuted if somewhere a positive wire is touching the body of the car. So even rescuers have to use rubber gloves, jaws of life with rubber grips, because you can actually get electrocuted while you're rescuing someone. And that's why some states like Rhode Island require that the license plate has a marking if this car has a battery in it because it's not the same and fire departments around the country are not up to speed on dealing with these different types of fires. Cause when the batteries burn, they put out hydrogen cyanide gas, which is a toxic gas. And there's a whole nother discussion that we don't know about. And in my opinion needs to be researched further is the electromagnetic field created in this metal box reverse Faraday cage where you're sitting in this metal container with Bluetooth, people carrying cell phones, Wi-Fi battery four electric motors spinning out an electromagnetic field that's why you have if you put a meter in the car you see it going off the charts and that's why am radios aren't found in electric cars because there's so much radio frequency and electrical interference that an am radio can't even work inside so we still have a lot to learn about what well, i know that the body. Uh, the fcc has told us that uh, they're going after the electric car companies because of the am radios and there's there's a solution to them, and, and uh, the uh, electric car companies have to be looking into that. Well, you need all types of proper shielding to block the interference to the radio. In the same way, eventually, they'll have to figure out a way to shield the human beings once they figure out what the exact long-term effects of sitting inside this uh, electric uh, field, uh, how it's going to affect the human bodies, especially with children's pets, animals. There's still just so much we don't know. And also, I know people who have electric cars and they get into a minor fender better, and they're saying they can't use it for months because they can't get the parts and there's supply chain issues related to these cars as as well. So there's a lot we're learning, a lot more. We're seeing more and more of it coming out. And, uh, you know, we hope that uh, these things can become uh, safer. And especially now, there's a big problem with the autopilot issue where people think that they can just put these autopilots on. But, you know, if the weather is inclement, if the road lines are not uh, marked properly, you know, these things uh, have been known now in some cases to jump the lane. And it's not, you know, it's not fair to the public, not just for the person in the car who get injured, but the person sitting innocently 
like my friends in the other lane who, you know, suddenly you have a head on collision and that can be uh, problematic. So there's much to be done, much work to be done. And uh, also an well, investigative uh, reporter really needs to look at the supply chain. One, one last thing. Next week, I understand in New York, we have uh, the new f- uh, f- the fire commissioner of New York P- Fire Department talking about uh, a lot of fires uh, in buildings in New York because of the lithium-ion batteries on these uh, on these scooters and on these little motorcycles that's creating big fires that they're having a hard time putting out in the apartment buildings in New York. Right, because some of these batteries are made very cheaply with very thin walls, and they're not UL listed. So when you buy one of these things, you should really try to get a battery that's been inspected and meets the United States standards of underwriter laboratories so that you minimize the risk because people are just buying these on the Internet and they're getting them delivered and they don't realize the dangers inside an apartment. We've already seen some deaths in Manhattan associated with these spontaneous fires and also temperature effects that if it's hot in an apartment building and you're charging it somewhere in the hallway, temperature affects these things and they're most likely to catch fire and that's one of the fears and concerns with these uh lithium uh because lithium is a very unstable uh, molecule and hopefully batteries one day will become safer and the other last issue is how do you dispose of them even when this bicycle you have to throw it away goes in the landfills the water supply the toxicity so recycling right now doesn't really exist and there's no great way to recycle any of these batteries at this time so that's another issue and we'll be talking about it more in the future on the CATS Roundtable, where we try to keep our audience safe, happy, and healthy. Dr. Peter Michalos, thank you. Have a great rest of the weekend, and we'll catch up real soon. Thanks for always getting the truth out, John, on the CATS Roundtable. Thanks for listening to the CATS Roundtable. If you missed any interviews, go to thecatsroundtable.com or go to wabcradio.com. Go to the podcast, get those segments that you missed, and that way you will be up to date. Have a nice Sunday. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. Bruno. He's your numero uno.